0: Hi everyone. So today our first reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 to 20. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And our second reading comes from Matthew, chapter 7, verses 24, through to chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. and not as their teachers of the law. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good afternoon. It's nice to see you. My name is Rowan. I extend my welcome to to Chris's. Uh, I am the assistant minister here at the Garrison Church, it's my privilege to open uh, this section of the Scriptures with you this afternoon. This is our final sermon in the series of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, seven weeks ago, we began with uh, Matthew 5, where Jesus ascends the mountain uh, with some followers behind him, and he began to teach them. And today we see he descends the mountain, in many ways, there's echoes here from the Old Testament. The passage that was read to us from Deuteronomy is where Moses ascended the mountain, Mount Sinai, to receive the law. And he descends uh, and speaks to the people about what God's will is for them. And he, and he used those words, now choose life, uh, to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And Jesus, as like a new Moses, comes down. Uh, as he comes down today, he, he, he compels us to choose wisdom And to follow him. So that's what we'll be looking at today. Uh, But as as we begin, I just want us to reflect briefly. Uh, There was an article this week in ABC Online that was titled, Without the Resources of the Past, We Are Lost in the Present. And in the article, uh, the author poses this question. He says, life is too complicated to just muddle our way through. Still, muddle through is what most of us manage to do. The crucial question is, what resources do we have to help us through life's overwhelming hurly-burly? What resources do we have to help us through life's overwhelming hurly-burly? Uh, or we could say today, storms, uh, as we look at this passage. See, it's, it's so easy to be distracted, and this is what the author of this article draws on. He says, we're so distracted from moments of reflection, uh, and that's so easy to be distracted from these questions, particularly in our world, which is increasingly on demand. We never have to sit in our own thoughts and silence, uh, particularly in the instant gratification of one-click consumerism, uh, the enforced busyness of our world, and, and all the, distractedness, the, the this distractedness that comes, it inhibits us from, from genuine reflection. Well, in these words today, Jesus says this, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on a rock. Jesus is offering us a way. Uh, this is the voice from the past that we are to listen to, to consider how we can make our way through life's storms, through life's overwhelming hurly-burly. But as we saw last week... Uh, this way of Jesus is not easy. Last week it was described as a narrow gate. And so as we look at this sermon's teaching as a reflection on the whole and then this particular teaching of what was read just to us then, uh, we, we see a picture that Jesus presents before us. And not an easy picture, but it's a picture that promises wisdom and life flourishing and blessedness. And so we have a moment today in the midst of our distracting world to reflect an opportunity to consider Jesus' words if we have ears to hear. So I encourage you to tune in, even turn the phone off, I dare you. And let's sit with the invitation and challenge of of these verses We're going to follow through uh, these verses, looking at them under three headings, two realities of life, two ways of life, and two ways to respond. Well, Jesus begins by speaking of two realities to life, and it's a reality that exists, uh, these two realities exist for everyone, no matter what your background or age or uh, stage of life Uh, These two realities exist for us. And the first one is this, is that everyone is building their lives on something. Everyone is building their lives on something. Everyone has a foundation, a philosophy of life or a moral base, a place where we find meaning. It shapes what we love, what we value, what we pursue, uh, what we consider the happy or the good life to be. Now, it's true that we might not be aware of it uh, what it exactly is, but we all have a foundation because everyone is, is building their lives on, on something. Uh, we lived in the north of England in a, uh, a terrace. It was a, an old Victorian terrace. And given the age of the property, there was not a, a straight wall in the house. So I remember when we got our, our bathroom decorated, uh, the guy, the plumber, lined up the taps and he's like, ''I can't put them here. This is square.'' And it kind of looked on an angle like this. And he was like, well, I think it's better to go with our eye. And we went with our eye. Uh, but that was the nature of the properties in the sense that they're, they're that old, that the properties sink. And that's not a problem if they have a good foundation. And so what one would do if you bought a property is you had to get an inspection. It was a prerequisite for the loan, which establishes whether the foundation is, is secure. It's, it's something we do... That's just common sense. But often, we we live our lives and never question the foundation that we are building upon. But Jesus calls us to consider that today. Now, there are moments in our lives, aren't there, where where we do stop and consider that foundation question. It might be as some of us are having kids and we're kind of thinking about, oh, what kinds of things do I want to pass on to my children? Or it might be as you um, transition out from the world of your your parents' view of the world and you're trying to establish what you think and how you see the world. Or it might be that there's difficult life events that have come up, or perhaps even a pandemic that stop us and pause us to think about our foundations, what it is we are building on. And so Jesus here causes us to pause and to consider that question. But the second reality is this. Everyone will have a storm in life that will put your foundation to the test. Everyone will have a storm in life that will put your foundation to the test. It's not so much a case of of if that will happen, but but when that will happen. Storms here, particularly in this passage, have been interpreted two main ways. Uh, Storms here are seen as the the trials and tough times of life. That that interpretation goes all the way back to Augustine in the 4th century... Uh, but it's also, there's a sense in which, drawing on Old Testament imagery, that, that storms here is, is the picture of the future judgment day of God, God's wrath in, in the future. Trials and tough times, or this, this future-oriented storm of God's judgment. But in a sense, as we read this passage, we, we can say that it, that it is both. They're not mutually exclusive. However, the former anticipates the later. Uh, one author put it this way, storms of, life, storms of life are like the dress rehearsal of the final storm. Because reality is in our lives we all experience storms, we experience hardship, we experience loss, we have tough seasons, uh, we, we have that sense of, of brokenness, both within ourselves uh, but also externally as well. And when storms hit, they make us confront the question of what what we are building our lives upon. What's really important to us? What do I value? Do I have the right foundations? Are they sufficient to withstand life's storms? Are they sufficient for me to stand before God? They're the two realities. Everyone is building their lives on something. And secondly, a storm is coming, or perhaps has come, that will put your foundation to the test. So, given those two realities, Jesus then helps us to see well, there's two ways in which we can live in this world and live our lives, two ways of life. Uh, last week we, we saw Rob um, gave a great sermon. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go back and have a listen. But he speaks there of the, and draws attention to the way in which Jesus presents us with two ways. Uh, Last week, it was the narrow gate or the wide gate. Um, The wide gate is easy to walk, but the narrow gate is hard. And Jesus is seeking to compel us to to follow the narrow way. Uh, And then he spoke about good and and bad fruit that will be shown by the fruit that we produce. Well, this week, we we introduced two men who build their house on two different foundations. Uh, And they're, they're, they're like black and and white in the sense that they're, they're completely different. One's sand and one is, is rock. But appearances can be deceiving. See, the two houses that they might build on these foundations could look exactly the same. The materials might be the same. But what is different between them is determined by what the house is built upon. Just as last week appearances can be deceptive. The overly religious, the scribes and the Pharisees described here in Matthew's Gospel, look the part, but actually Jesus describes them as hypocrites. They produce bad fruit. So, one's life might look the part, but it could be built on a flimsy foundation. And Jesus is saying we determine the way of wisdom and folly by looking at what foundations we are building our lives upon. And he shows us two ways. The way of wisdom, verse 24. The one who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. The wise man builds his house on a secure foundation of rock, uh, Jesus here describes them as his words. He hears and he does Jesus' words. He puts Jesus' words into practice. It's that imagery of bearing fruit that we saw last week. That is that Jesus' words just don't inform the individual, but they, but they transform them. Their outer and inner lives are aligned. That's the greater righteousness that Jesus has been talking about, wholehearted devotion So the wise person who builds their house on the rock doesn't merely decorate a house with a facade, but rather sets it upon a firm foundation. Because Jesus says, when the storms, they come, if it's built on this foundation, they will stand strong on hearing and doing Jesus' words. But he presents to us another way as well, and that's the way of folly. Folly. Continue on in 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came up, streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. The foolish build their, their lives on sand. They hear Jesus' words but they don't do them. They don't put them into practice. They're, they're informed only. They're not transformed. They are what Jesus describes as hypocrites. Their, their inner and their outer lives are unaligned. It's out of sync. They're double-minded is the way the Apostle James talks about it. They're all facade but built on a, a flimsy foundation. And Jesus says when the storm comes, their house will fall. But the difference between the two is what we do with Jesus' words, what we built our foundation on. Ultimately, whether we hear and do Jesus' words. When Jesus says, my words here, he's speaking about the sermon in general, but it's also spoken of in the sermon as the will of the Father in heaven. So Jesus is saying, my words are as God's. And here he speaks to uh, his people of his kingdom. So these words are the decree of the king to his kingdom people, Will we hear and do Jesus' words. And as we pick up on some of the themes that we've been looking, up, looking at it, through the sermon over the last couple of weeks, people who hear and do Jesus' words are people who are righteous in the way that they deal with anger, who, who don't look lustfully, who practice faithfulness and fidelity in marriage, who speak truth, who who dignify others with their words, who love their enemies, who extend forgiveness, who practices prayer and giving and fasting from from a right heart, who has a right attitude toward money, storing up treasures in heaven rather on earth, who are not presumptuous, but seek to hear and do Jesus' words. These are all things that we've heard, and, and we've heard time and time again, this isn't a moral checklist, so much as a way of being and, and seeing the world, living with Jesus as our King. But what's interesting is, as we move through some of this teaching, it kind of grates a little bit, because Jesus' teaching here is neither popular nor easy. Uh, and Jesus isn't saying we can kind of pick and choose what we like. And that's why Jesus warns us to build our foundation upon him and to do his will. That's why he calls us in the Beatitudes to consider reframing the whole way we see our worlds of what true flourishing wholeness and the blessed life is. One author puts it like this, picking up on the warning. The house that crashes is not the house of pagans or those who did not hear Jesus' words, The house that crashes is the house of Christians that find Jesus important enough to hear but not realistic enough to live. For such Christians, the Sermon on the Mount is not practical enough for the demands of modern life or it's dispensationally limited. That means it's from a bygone era. Or the Sermon on the Mount is too naive for contemporary fast lane living or perhaps too spiritual for urgent modern causes. Or most commonly of all, it's just too hard. For whatever reason, Jesus' words are just heard and not done. The life Jesus calls us to is not easy, it's the narrow gate. But Jesus has told us that it's the real way to flourishing and blessing. In Colossians 1, Paul speaks of Jesus as creating the world. And so if he creates the world, he knows the reality of things more than anyone else. And so to follow him is to follow and to live in line with the created order. It's the wise way, but it's a way that is completely counterintuitive to us and countercultural in our world It is the wise life to live in line with this reality. Foolishness is living in the way that we want or wish things to be. So Jesus holds out for us two ways. The way of wisdom, hearing and doing his words, being informed and transformed, or the way of folly, and it's just to hear, but not do what Jesus says. Will we build our lives upon this foundation? Well, to close, Jesus gives us, in a sense, as we just think how we apply this, two responses. It's interesting in that first reading, when Moses comes down from the mountain, he he pleaded with Israel to choose life. And Jesus here is like the new Moses. He comes down the mountain, he tells us to choose wisdom. These words of of Jesus are also somewhat prophetic, prophetic. That the Jewish religious leaders ignore Jesus and his teaching and their house, literally the temple will come down in a crash within a lifetime from Jesus' ministry. But they speak to us as well in a prophetic way, in the sense that our response to Jesus' words and whether we do them or not will determine how we will stand in the storm. Our response determines our future. Now, the point of this whole section is that we can't be Presumptuous. So how how can we respond? Well, there's two responses. We can continue to, to muddle our way through, distract ourselves, focus on the, the decoration, but forget the foundations. Uh, that's the, the wide gate and the easy way, or we can attend to the deep practice of relaying the foundation upon the rock. We can hear Jesus' words and and put them into practice. We can pursue that greater righteousness of sinking our inner and our outer lives. But make no mistake, this is this is the hard way, but it's the way of wisdom, and Jesus promises us it's the way to wholeness and flourishing. So there's a sense in which this story is there to help us to choose wisdom. Now, that may mean for some of us we need to dig up the foundations and let Jesus lay a new one that we might see and be in the world the way that Jesus teaches and not the way that we might see or our world might tell us to see the reality of things. But the good news is that he promises us by his spirit to to be at work within us. He, He calls us in his sermon to plead with him, to ask, seek and knock he gives us his spirit to convict us and comfort us and sustain us. He gives us the guidance of, of his word. So, God is at work in us by his spirit, helping us to see the goodness of Jesus' way and helping us to live it. And he's secured the means by which we can in his death and resurrection. But it does require something of us, we're not completely passive in this process either. It requires discipline in two kinds of ways. It, it requires discipline to start doing certain things and to potentially stop doing certain things. It's a discipline to, to, con- to continue to, to see the importance of meeting together and to, to sitting under His Word to encourage one another. It's a continual discipline of attending to His Word as we seek to hear his voice as he speaks to us and to be transformed so that we see the world the way he calls us to. It's the discipline of saying the Lord's prayer so that our desires are aligned with, with his. These are what have been traditionally called the means of grace. It cultivates hearing and doing God's word. You could call them rhythms of grace, ways in which we can seek to hear and do God's Word, and to remind us the Spirit's work within us to change us and to conform us into the likeness of Jesus. But it also means that we might need to stop doing certain things. This might start with the discipline of confession. Perhaps, perhaps the sin has been, been sucking the spiritual life out of you. Well, Jesus is calling us to align our inner and our outer lives together. And so as we look back at the teaching that we've looked at, it may mean addressing the the porn habit. It may mean considering marriage. It may mean coming off social media to control the online tongue or, or to placate bitterness that we might experience. It may mean extending kindness and forgiveness to our enemy. It might mean not being so overly concerned with the material but pleading with God to seek treasures in heaven. It may mean all matter of things... But these are all the disciplines of laying a foundation on Christ. But it may mean we need to stop doing some things. Can I encourage you just to, to speak with someone about this? Have a, have a meaningful conversation with someone or in your community group to be thinking about how we might start doing certain things and stop doing certain things so that we hear and, and do what God calls us to do. But there's a sense in which wisdom comes in the doing. See, sometimes desire comes before the doing. Other times we do and wait for the desire to catch up. But each require discipline. And Jesus calls us here to put his words into practice. But the beauty about the word practice is that it has connotations of process, the expectation isn't that we're finished products, but rather God by His Spirit is working within us. In Philippians, He who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion. The Spirit's work in us is a process making us more and more like Jesus, being able to see and be in the world like Him. And that's good news. So for instance, if I, if I went outside today and planned to run a marathon, it wouldn't happen. But I can run five kilometres. And then in time, as I build that up, I can grow. And the Spirit's work in us is making us more like Jesus. God promises to be aligning our inner and our outer selves. But we're not passive. It takes the discipline of hearing and doing God's word. But finally, as, as you've sat there, this might seem suffocating to you a burden. But actually, as we read this, this is really good news. See, Jesus began his sermon by saying these words, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. See, to feel overwhelmed or to feel things ought to change is a good place to be. See, even though Jesus finished this sermon with a strong warning that we've just read, it's not how he finished his ministry on earth. Jesus came down the mountain, and as we read the pages of the Gospel, we see that after coming down from the mountain, he heals the sick, he forgives the sinful, and eventually he carries a cross, which will be our cross, so that we can die to sin and live for him. He died and was buried, and rose again, in order that we might be counted righteous in him. Don Carson writes, Christianity is not simply a moralistic religion of high ideals, but it also presents a crucified yet risen Saviour who forgives those who repent and then gives them life to grow to meet those ideals. Well, as we conclude, we began with that quote, life is too complicated just to muddle our way through. The challenge of today is, what foundation are we building our lives upon? Is it secure enough to withstand the storms of life and future judgment? An offer in Jesus is a way through the overwhelming hurly-burly of life, a way of wisdom that leads to wholeness and flourishing. Will we have the courage to hear And to follow. Let's pray that Christ, by his Spirit, will work within us to grow to meet these ideals. Join with me. Father, we thank you for the Jesus of the Gospels that we see that he taught, but also that he healed the broken, restored the sinful and ultimately died and rose again so as to reconcile us with yourself. And Yet, Lord, we need to hear his words and to do them. That means that we need to die to ourselves and to perhaps the ways in which we be and see the world and to live with Jesus as our King of our lives, to align ourselves to his way of being and seeing the world. So by your spirit, would you be at work within us to see this as a good thing? And by your spirit, would you sustain and strengthen us to put off certain things and to put on certain things? In Jesus' name, amen.